LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. G'day, I'm Peter Blanch and welcome to The One Thing. It's a podcast designed to give you one solid practical tip for gospel-centered ministry. We aim to do it each and every week. I certainly hope you found it enjoyable by the time you've been listening to it. Now, look, today we've got Gary Eastman with us. Gary, welcome. Thanks, Peter. It's good yeah, to be here. It's great, it's great that you're here. Gary's uh, in leadership development with Reach Australia. And look, Gary, um, just before we start, I was just going to ask you, have you ever had the audacity to have a stopwatch going while you've been listening to someone else preach? All the time, Peter. <laughs> All the time. Trained lots of preachers, had trainees, always got the clock on. Yeah, I can remember as a teenager, Gary, just over and over and over again recording how long sermons were looking forward to the shortest ones possible so i could get out and play football with the, with the other kids but look that was years ago yeah. uh, and we're getting into that because today's uh topic on the one thing is going to be a little bit about sermon length and sermons in general but look before we get to that it's helpful to know that the one thing is actually brought to you thanks to reach australia reach australia loves to see australia reached for christ we know that's only going to happen by seeing healthy, evangelistic and multiplying churches. We don't want to see one or two, ten or twenty. We want to see thousands of them across the country. And uh, Reach Australia is working to see that happen as best we can. But look, for now, you have pressed play on another episode of The One Thing, Sermon Length. Now, Gary, mm. the Archbishop of Canterbury preached for six minutes at the Queen's funeral. I mean, if he can do that, why, should we be doing the same? What, what should we be doing? I just wonder how many other issues you've uh, looked to the Archbishop of Canterbury for guidance on recently, Peter. That's a helpful comment, Gary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not all that often uh, we turn to that. Uh, look, I'm not sure it was the most helpful expository sermon I've ever heard. I know I get a lot of praise online. Uh, and at least he pointed to Jesus. Um, but I think I'm looking elsewhere for my models of preaching, and I'm not sure six minutes really cuts it for me, Peter. That's right. Yeah, I was at a at a wedding recently, Gary, and I reckon mm. the preacher at that wedding he probably went for five, maybe five and a half. It's one of the shortest sermons I've heard in a while. And I remember leaving thinking, "Has anything of substance been said here?" Yeah. Um, so give it to us straight, Gary. What what do you think about sermon length? Uh, look, I've done a lot of work on this, Peter. It's uh, 22.6 minutes is go. the perfect sermon. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's actually, I've been talking to a lot of guys about this, and uh, for listeners, if they've been following online, there's been a bit of debate and a bit of controversy, uh, people taking some strong positions about sermon length. And of course, the answer is I think uh, it's contextual, it depends on who you are as the preacher and where you're preaching and the occasion that you're okay. speaking at. Yeah. Right, yeah. Well, let's let's actually push into each one of those, Gary. The first yeah. one you said there was who we are as a preacher. Yeah. What, what do you mean by that? Some of us are more gifted than others, uh, Peter. I, I think um, some of us, uh, depending on our context, might be 30-minute or even 40-minute preachers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, God has gifted us all differently. We'll have the ability to engage an audience and keep them with us for a longer period of time than someone else who's maybe not gifted in quite the same way, I'm sure gifted in other areas, but we've got to work within our own lane and we might be more 20-minute preachers. 
So it just depends on our gifting, the way uh, we work as a speaker. Of course, that doesn't stay the same. Um, I reckon mm. I can sustain a longer sermon now that I've got a few grey hairs and a few miles under my belt than I could when I was much younger. Yep. Uh, that doesn't mean I understood that back then and I probably should have preached shorter sermons back then yeah, yeah. when I first started. It's worth reflecting on that, Gary, just watching your own life and then the, 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 the preachers you're hearing recently. Do you, do you find people are getting this close to the mark right or do you, do you find guys that you could listen to longer are actually preaching shorter? Whereas guys who could preach shorter, who should preach shorter, are actually preaching longer. How's the self-awareness of the preacher going that you're noticing? Oh, that's a tough question, Paddy. You're, you, you're trying to get me in trouble here. Because um, I reckon there is a danger as we get on. On the one hand, you get more experience and you understand yourself, you understand yourself as a preacher better. You understand your context, your audience. Uh, hopefully, if you've been in a pulpit for a while, you'll understand... Uh, what's being understood, how much people are taking away, yeah, yeah. and you will modify the length of your sermon and the way you approach your preaching accordingly. Um, there's a danger the other way, though. You've been in the pulpit a while, you're well-known by people, and you just get a bit indulgent. Yep. And maybe you're not preparing as tightly as you should, or you just think a little too well of your preaching and you think you're getting away with more than you actually are. Yeah, yeah, that's a good. That's a good point. Mm. It's interesting that we've got to still keep thinking humbly of ourselves and think of ourselves in right measures, mm. and uh, thinking too highly of yourself as a preacher can lead to some problems. Actually, thinking too lowly of yourself and your mm. giftedness can also lead to others. Yeah, uh, you talked about context there too, Gary. What, what did you mean about the length of sermon depends on context as well? Yeah, just the nature of the audience, depending on where you are. Um, what are they used to? How's the congregation yeah. being trained? Um, what's the typical educational kind of level of the audience? I think a lot of us in our tribe have had a kind of preaching model, Peter, over the years that's predicated on a university audience and kind of a university lecture going for about an hour, um, sitting under very particular preachers back in the day mm. who are extremely gifted and can get away with that particular audience with that particular gifting for 40, 50 minutes and everybody lapping it up. And we kind of understand that we're not that preacher and we're not in that context, but that's still an ideal that's lurking in the back of our mind. And we don't modify our approach as much as we should for our context. And it is going to be different if you're preaching uh, to a bunch of farmers in a country town. Um, people are also busy with kids. You know, they've got sporting events to go to or they're just really tired from a night with young bubs overnight, you know. being So all sorts of things will modify your audience away from a bunch of keen, being young, energetic uni students under a really particular gifted preacher back in the day. So Yeah, yeah Gary, the, the context there is interesting. The, I've heard some comments around, gee, people's attention span is getting less and less. We live in the digital age. Yeah watching television programs, a 22-minute sitcom or whatever else it is. Do, do, you, do you think people's attention spans are getting less and less and therefore we, that's been some of the urge to preach shorter and shorter from some people? What do you think about people and attention spans and sermon length? Well, that's part of the context, isn't it? And I'm not a sociologist or a psychologist, so I'm probably not expert to comment on that. But surely, just given the range of voices that are talking about those reducing attention spans... 
read books like The Shallows. Uh, that's one I've read about the impact of the internet on our ability to stay with sustained prose. We just don't read like we used to. Mm. I've noticed that for myself. I reckon I've got to work harder to read than I did when I was a little fella. I used to just devour books. And I find I'm much more distractible these days. Maybe that's just old age. But, um, yeah, surely that's part of the context. Of course, we need to be wary. That doesn't mean we just continuously trim our sermon length down so that we're meeting the preferences or comfort level of our people. We need to still push people. Yeah, yeah. I've often thought about that too, Gary, myself, Mm. wondering about... Sometimes i thought about liturgical preaching, by which I mean... Liturgical, as in rehearsing the great truths of the scriptures. Mm. Going, if it, if all you're doing is rehearsing a lot of what people already know, mm. then a shorter sermon. It's 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 rehearsing. It's it's going through what people are clear on or hopefully clear on already. You, you mm. need shorter time for that. But if you actually are going to genuinely challenge someone's view of the world, you probably need a bit more time to do that. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, now that's helpful too. Uh, that's part of the context, isn't it? So in an increasingly post-Christian culture, as we're in now, um, working harder to engage and critique culture and raise the questions that the culture is raising, the challenges that the culture is challenging us with, tracing that out, and then addressing that with your preaching, that all takes time. Yeah, it does. It does. Mm. Yes, yeah, so and, yeah. and good preaching doesn't doesn't just mm. rehearse the great truths of the scriptures, or even just simply inform and proclaim them. It is actually interacting with the world that the people are living in mm. and critiquing that, and that does take time. It's mm. right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, look, part of your context also is things like the seasonal nature. Um, now, do do you find preaching at different seasons? I'm talking Christmas. Uh, Easter, uh, churches sometimes sometimes have a, a weekend away, which is an, another context as well where people are away for the weekend. Hmm. How do you find those kinds of contexts then beginning to shape and affect uh, preaching and sermon links? I'll just speak for myself here, Peter. Uh, yeah, sure, Christmas. Um, I'm not going to push people uh, with lengths as hard as I might on another occasion. I'm really going to expect uh, my people to bring a lot of outsiders in. I want people to come in and hear the gospel it's not the time to bust out a 35-minute sermon, mm. you know, of heavy exegesis and interacting with the Greek and all the rest of it. Um, there's also just the reality. People are there uh, to come to church, to worship Jesus, hopefully as an outsider to learn more about Christmas, learn, learn more about Jesus, maybe consider faith for themselves. Uh, but then heading off to Christmas lunch, maybe off on holidays, whatever it is. Um, I've heard plenty of stories about people being resentful of long sermons on Christmas Day and that being a barrier to attending again. So, yeah, I think that's just wisdom to be careful about length on occasions like that. But then you get a weekend away. It's just an in-house audience. Uh, you're tackling a particular book of the Bible or a particular topic. I think you can uh, afford to be more relaxed and go for longer. Yeah. Look, Gary, it's you and I chatting here, but you've also been chatting to some other people about preaching, about preaching in context, about audiences, about lengths. So far, you, you, you're actually doing a, a podcast series on preaching, which will be released in December. Mm. You've done one with Des Smith from Adelaide, and you've done one of the other podcasts with Rory Shiner from Rory. Perth. Now, look, what, what has struck you from those, from those chats? Uh, yeah, well, I want to encourage people about that. It's those guys talking about their approach to preparation and then to preaching and lots of pearls, uh, lots of gems of wisdom and insight in them. Uh, Rory made an interesting statement about length. 
to preach for as long as you can get away with. Okay, preach as long as you can get away with. That's an interesting comment for mine, Gary, because yeah. sometimes I've heard people preach and it's gone for 20 minutes, but gee, it felt like 50. Yeah. And I've heard other people preach and it's gone for 50 minutes and it's felt like 20. Is that what kind of Rory's going, preach for as long as you can get away with? What, what, does, he, what does he mean and what do you think about it? I think he's making a statement about the high value of preaching. It's not something you want to diminish just for the sake of keeping people comfortable. Preaching is this precious, powerful thing that we do. Mm. So take that opportunity week by week by week to make it substantial and meaty. Don't cut it short. But more is not more at the end of the day. You can't just keep adding more to that and say, well, preaching is good, therefore I'll do three hours of it. So you need to find that sweet spot for you as a preacher in your context but maximise that. Don't minimise that. I yeah, think yeah. that's what he's saying. Now, my pushback on him was, and you have to go and listen to the episode if you're listening out there, my pushback was, well, what does it mean to get away with it? You know, I, nobody jumped up and rushed out of the building in frustration and anger, therefore I got away with it, or it remained helpful and positive for the audience. They stayed with me and they understood the main point of the sermon. Yeah, yeah. So we kicked that around a little bit sure. as well in the episode. There you go. I've, I've, yeah. I've heard some people talk about uh, preach for as long as you can get away with minus you know, two or three minutes. So they're hungry to come back next week. So you haven't, yeah. you know, they're even, like you haven't gone right to that edge. And anyway, there you go. Yeah. Look, I think there could be some wisdom in that. Particularly, look, that's that might be for young preachers too. Um, Roy and I, I can't remember who said it. Uh, we'll talk about the notion of Preaching, preachers being slow cooked. Mm. It's it's a craft that you develop over a long period of time. Uh, Rowan and I talked about finding your voice as a preacher. Yeah, because we, we react to all these things. We, we, we have a fear of our audience. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're preaching to our lecturers and to the commentaries a lot of the time yep. and to please our peers and to make sure they approve of us. So finding your voice, knowing yourself as a preacher and knowing what's helpful that takes time and working at that. So little rules like that, yeah. uh, work out what you think the sweet spot is and back it off a bit, that might be really wise. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah well, that's one of the things was we, we're going to push into is just think about there will be some young preachers listening at the moment and, you know, what are some of the traps for young players or what are some of the schoolboy errors that you're aware of? Yeah, the schoolboy error, I think, uh, very often is that just preaching to the commentaries, that's an Andrew Heard term, as I've recently heard it, uh, we just spend all week with your head in the minutia of exegesis and the arguments between different scholars and your sermon ends up being centred on those debates and yeah. picking your way through the weeds of those issues. I was never the most highly intellectual guy. That wasn't so much my trap, although I inevitably I think I fell into it sometimes. Mm. Uh, and, and really... You're not preaching to the heart. You're not applying the text. You're just resolving exegetical issues in it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. I, I think uh, another schoolboy era that I'm aware of that I think I needed to learn through in my own time was uh, not you don't just preach to give information. It's that preaching to the heart that you're talking about. You're looking to actually persuade people, mm. not just inform people. And so every time uh, writing a sermon and all the time thinking through, now what am I genuinely trying to persuade people of? Not trying to manipulate them. Mm. God's looking to persuade them, to persuade them to repent, to change their mind, put their trust in the right spot. 
how do uh, how is yeah how, what am I really trying to persuade people of in a godly way this week and being very clear about that? Yeah, I think we can be so scared of being manipulative, Peter, that we um we end up not preaching with passion, mm. and we end up backing off trying to persuade people, and it does turn into a lecture rather than a sermon. Yeah, and that's. That's something I think when I was very first preaching, I understood kind of at a head level the difference between those two things or that they were different concepts. But in reality, uh, my sermons probably didn't differ all that much a lot of the time from a lecture, just yeah. imparting information. But again, that's that preaching being slow cook thing. I, I do meet guys who don't think they're preachers, so don't feel as though they're all that great out of the gate. Mm. And I think, oh, maybe I'm not really, that's not going to be the centre of my ministry. I'm going to say to them, no, stick at it. Work at your craft mm. and just be patient and let yourself grow as a preacher over time mm. and think of yourself as a preacher in 10, 20, 30 years' time. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a schoolboy area there about uh, being willing to listen to yourself. Sometimes we're so nervous about hearing our own talks that we're, we're so embarrassed by how our voice sounds that we never actually get around to it. And I keep thinking, gee, if other people are going to have to listen to you, the least you can do is listen to yourself so you can you can actually uh, make things clearer. Uh, even worse, Peter, even worse, watch yourself. Yeah, yeah. Watch yourself, yeah. which is doubly painful but a good thing to do. Absolutely, mm. absolutely. Now, look, that was one of my things, Gary, about one of my uh, evolutions or, or growing in my own preaching was to keep thinking about it's not just information I need to be about persuasion it needs to be to, to not just persuade the head but to persuade the heart hmm. uh, there are these things that, that have changed in my preaching over the years but what about your preaching and your thinking your practice what is what has changed for you look that's the greatest shift I think hmm. and I couldn't tell you how many years ago it was but it was doing some there was some seminal reading for me. Um, accessing the Puritans via Keller, via Piper, and understanding a theology of the heart better and just starting to preach to affections more. Mm -hmm. And that really meant I started to apply much more effectively and more consistently avoiding read your Bible, pray, tell people about Jesus type applications. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's the biggest evolution for me. But again, it took time. I don't think I'm uh, the smartest guy or all that mature and... Maybe I'm just a slow learner, um, but I was a slow-cooked preacher who became much more effective mm. in the last several years of my ministry than the first several many years. And apologies to any people who heard my sermons in those early <laughs> years. Yeah. yeah, well, look, Gary, we're, uh, we're coming to the end of our little podcast here. Yeah. I just want to end with the one question, which we always want to end with. What's, what's the one thing? What's the one thing you want to say about sermons? 22 and a half minutes, Peter. No, I think we want to say, make sure you preach to the heart. Mm. Preach to the heart. It's not a lecture. It's a sermon. You need to understand that distinction and work at it, hard at it. And it's also been great to be here without Derek and Scott taking over the podcast. It's excellent to be with you, Peter. It's been great having you, Gary. And look, Gary's series on preaching through the Reached Australia podcast will be released in December. Listen out for that. It'll be a great help to you all. And if you are really looking to listen to some cracking sermons, Paul Harrington and Andrew Reid's talks from the 2022 Reach Australia National Conference are now live on the Reach Australia podcast as well. Thanks for listening. I'm Peter Blanche. Chat soon.